Well, throughout this series called Walk by the Spirit, we've been using two readings as sort of um, our main passages that we've been working from. Uh, one is from Galatians 5, which we would commonly know as the fruit of the Spirit. Uh, and the other one is from Colossians 3. And I, I want us to try and hold on to both of these these passages, both of these lists. But this morning, we are going to be working from Colossians 3, and it's verses 5 to 14. Colossians 3, verses 5 to 14. Let me read it to you. Put to death, therefore, whatever belongs to your earthly nature, sexual immorality, impurity, lust, evil desires, and greed, which is idolatry. Because of these, the wrath of God is coming. You used to walk in these ways in the life you once lived, but now you must also rid yourselves of all such things as these, anger, rage, malice, slander, and filthy language from your lips. Do not lie to each other, since you have taken off your old self with its practices and have put on the new self, which has been renewed in knowledge in the image of its creator. Here there is no Gentile or Jew, circumcised or uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave or free, but Christ is all and is in all. Therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, clothe yourselves with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness and patience. Bear with each other and forgive one another if any of you has a grievance against someone. Forgive as the Lord forgave you. And over all these virtues, put on love, which binds them all together in perfect unity. This is God's word to us. And today we are talking about kindness. We're going to focus on kindness. But as we've been doing throughout the series and as we did with the kids this morning, we're also going to talk about the things we need to remove from our lives because that is important as well. And obviously the opposite of kindness is, well, unkindness, isn't it? But there's more to it there and I want us to have a bigger picture of it as well. Uh, When we're talking about unkindness, we're talking about a whole range of bad fruit that doesn't belong in our lives. Things like thoughtlessness, heartlessness, meanness, uncaring, harsh, nasty, and cruel. All of these things do not come from the Holy Spirit. They do not reflect Jesus, and they do not belong in our lives. And usually in this series, or thus far in this series, I've always looked at what we meant to take off first before we look to what we meant to put on. Basically, we take something off to make room in our lives, and then we put something on what the Holy Spirit is doing in our lives. Today, I want to be different. I want to reverse that. And I have my reason for it, and the reason is this. Uh, With the spread of COVID-19, we heard a call from our government to be kind. Who saw or heard this? Who saw or heard this over the last two and a bit months? Yeah, it was pretty much everywhere, wasn't it? And I've got to say, I thought it was great. In amongst this time of panic and uncertainty, there was a call for us to be kind, to think outside of ourselves, to turn our eyes from just our own situation, which is real, and to think of others. And I thought it was a great call. I hope it is a call that continues beyond COVID-19 in this time that we live in. But this highlights a bit of a challenge we face as God's people. 
This is a great call. It is. I'm sincere when I say that. This is a great call. But when we talk about kindness, we are talking about God's kindness. We are. And yes, it includes this, but this does not do justice to God's kindness. And I think we need to start there. I think so often when we talk about kindness, and maybe this is just my myself, but so often when we talk about kindness, we a little bit have a mental image of, I don't know, some old lady or grandmother we had growing up who was like, oh, she was lovely, so kind. And, you know, that's not bad, but again, I don't think she does justice to God's kindness. Biblical kindness, the kindness that the Holy Spirit wants to birth in us, is bigger. It's bigger than being nice. And I love nice people. <laughs> They're nice, aren't they? But I, in saying all of this, I don't want to dismiss small acts of kindness. That is where kindness starts. But Jesus is calling us, as I said, to something bigger. In the Sermon on the Mount, when speaking about what the Christian life looks like, Jesus said, and I'm going to read a few verses before this, if you love those who love you, what credit is that to you? Even sinners love those who love them. And if you do good to those who do good to you, what credit is that to you? Even sinners do that. And if you lend to those from whom you expect repayment, what credit is that to you? Even sinners lend to sinners expecting to be repaid in full. And this is where verse 35 comes. But love your enemies, do good to them, and lend to them without expecting to get anything back. Then your reward will be great, and you will be children of the Most High, because he is what? Kind to the ungrateful and wicked. Be merciful, just as your Father is merciful. Now, a couple of things here, or at least one thing first. Notice how Jesus overlaps these qualities, we could call them fruit, Together, he talks about love, he talks about goodness here, he talks about kindness and mercy, and he overlaps them all together. And I think likewise, with the fruit of the Spirit, with the qualities that we heard, that we are meant to put on, that the Holy Spirit wants to birth in us, they are all linked together as Jesus describes them here. Yes, they're different, but they're all interconnected. But the main point for us is that God's kindness is big. It is so much more than just being nice. We're not just called to small kindness. Yes, we are to be kind in the small things, but we are called to a big kindness. Jesus here is calling us to care for our enemies. Like, hear that? To care for our enemies. To care for the ungrateful and wicked. That is no small thing, is it? Maybe you're all going to sleep. That is not a small thing. That is massive. You think about the person you hate the most. Ah, yes, their face pops into your mind, doesn't it? Okay, now you ought to go and care for them. How easy is it sitting with you? And I start with this because we need to get the right picture or like the right scale of kindness in our minds about what God is calling us to. Again, I'm not putting down that old lady or your grandmother who was kind. But God is calling us to this level of kindness. To love our enemies, to care for them. And that's big, isn't it? 
It's massive. It's as big as it can get, really. And we shouldn't be surprised by this because this is what God has done for us. And I want to read a a bit of a larger section from Titus 3 because it echoes our passage from Colossians 3 today, if you can remember it. But hear the echoes of Colossians 3 that comes through. Titus 3, verse 3. At one time, you, we too were foolish, disobedient, deceived, and enslaved by all kinds of passions and pleasures. We lived in malice and envy, being hated and hating one another. Paul includes himself here. Includes all of us. But when the kindness and love of God our Savior appeared, he saved us not because of righteous things we had done, but because of his mercy. He saved us through the washing of rebirth and renewal by the Holy Spirit, whom he poured out on us generously through Jesus Christ our Savior, so that having been justified by his grace, we might become heirs with the hope of eternal life. Again, I wanted to read it because it echoes our passage from Colossians 3 so much, but also because I think this whole thing is about two sentences. No, maybe three. Three sentences. Really, really long sentences. But for us, the focus is verse 4, where Paul tells us, but when the kindness and love of God our Savior appeared. What, what is Paul talking about there? What's he talking about? Well, I've sort of led you to it, haven't I? He's talking about Jesus. He's talking about the cross, isn't he? This is God's kindness to us. Jesus is the kindness of God for us. And this is what we need to have in our minds when we think of kindness. If with kindness we don't have some level, some level of sacrifice then we're probably missing it. Probably. If when you think about kindness, as a child of God, you don't have some sense of, I'm going to take up my cross and follow Jesus, then you've probably got the wrong sense of kindness about it. This is what Jesus is calling us to, because this is what he has done for us. I like this quote from Sinclair Ferguson. He's a Scotsman and he says, failure to appreciate his love, God's love, his kindness and generous heart leads eventually to a life which bears no fruit and makes no progress. The lesson is clear. If you would grow in grace, learn what grace is. Taste and see that the Lord is good. And that's true of us all. That is not just a one-time thing, but that is something we are called to again and again and again as God's people. To experience his grace for us. To take hold of his kindness for us because we need that to be fruitful people in this world. To be fruitful children in this world. All too easily, we can grow cold. We can. We can start to think that it's our faith is something that is done and all of a sudden we're not progressing in it, as Sinclair Ferguson says. We're not bearing fruit for his glory. One last thing about kindness, about the size of God's kindness to us, to you and I. 
And this comes from Ephesians 2, and it's just verses 6 and 7, where it says, And God raised us up with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly realms in Christ Jesus. Basically, Paul is saying, Jesus has this position, this relationship with God. We have this position, this relationship with God. This is amazing. Verse 7, in order that in the coming ages he might show the incomparable riches of his grace expressed in his kindness to us in Jesus Christ, in Christ Jesus. Now that is a bit of a wordy statement, I admit, but it's full of meaning for us. And what Paul is saying is that Jesus' kindness on the cross is the tip of God's iceberg of grace to us. Paul is not minimizing the cross. He's saying what you can see about the cross and God's kindness to you in it is small. Tip of the iceberg. There is a whole lot more to come. In fact, God is going to fill ages, the rest of eternity, showing how great, how big his kindness to you is in Jesus. He's going to take the rest of eternity to fill that out. That's pretty big, eh? That's pretty big. And I think it's important for us to know this, to grasp this, to understand this, even if we can't really get our heads around it. You're going to take eternity? Eternity to unpack that? To show your kindness to me in your son Jesus? The answer is yes, and that should change us. That should change how we live in this world. That suddenly it should become easier to give things up. We've got a pretty good inheritance, don't we? We've got pretty good things to look forward to, don't we? Well, this is the kindness of God, a kindness that the Holy Spirit is going to work in us all, calling us to. But there is also something to take off from our lives, and it needs to be looked at as well. And I've got two passages, two verses, actually, I want us to look at this through. Uh, The first one is a proverb, Proverbs 14, verse 21. And it says, It is a sin to despise one's neighbor, but blessed is the one who is kind to the needy. Let me read that again. It is a sin to despise one neighbor, but blessed is the one who is kind to the needy. Now, this proverb contrasts despising one's neighbor with kindness. And I think we need to get how big this contrast is, again, so we understand how big and important kindness is. And let's think of Jesus' parable of the Good Samaritan which is what this image here is meant to be. It's not about actually about how good Samaritans are, but that God calls all of us, all of us to care for our neighbors, those around us, whether we know them or not, whether they are the same or different from us, whether they endanger us, cost us, or inconvenience us. Despite all of these things, we will care for them. We will be kind for them. Again, this is what He has done for us. But to despise them, to ignore them, to sideline them is what? It is, it's a sin. Yeah, which is sobering, isn't it? It gets our attention all of a sudden. Unkindness is not a small thing. 
It's in fact a really, really big thing. A second one, which comes from the book of Job, which, yes, God willing, we're going to look at the book of Job a little later this year. So here's a little taste test. Job 6 verse 4, and in this verse, Job and his friends have been talking. They've all had a turn, and it's Job's turn to talk to his friends. And he says this line to them, so to his three friends. He says, anyone who withholds kindness from a friend forsakes the fear of the Almighty. Now, Job is a tricky book to navigate. You have to be careful about who's talking and whether they're right or wrong, because sometimes they say some pretty good-sounding things and they're completely wrong. But Job here in this case is right. And he's talking to his three friends, and he's a little bit saying, you guys suck on one hand, but he's also saying, you don't really know God. You don't really know God because how we treat our friends, how we treat our family is one of the clearest signs about what we know about God because it's these people who are closest to us and know us best. Now, I want to put these together. Put these together. Unkindness is no small thing in God's eyes just as kindness is a big thing. Yes, unkindness, it's thoughtless, it is mean, it is heartless, it is uncaring, it is harsh, it is nasty, it is cruel. It's something we've experienced in a multitude of ways. It's something we've done in a multitude of ways. And it is sin. Whether that neighbor is our child, our spouse, our workmate, the person we sit next to at school, or our actual neighbor, if we despise them, if we despise them, if we diminish them, if we ignore them, we are sinning, which is really sobering. And Job was right. Unkindness, especially amongst friends, that's usually where we're going to find it first, isn't it? Those who know us and we know the best. Unkindness, especially amongst friends, which includes your family, which includes this family, God's family shows a lack of fear, it shows a lack of respect or a lack of knowledge of God. And I'm not saying that we will always agree. I am not saying that. We will disagree, and we will disagree strongly and passionately at times. But if we are cutting each other down, if we are diminishing the other person, then we need to be very, very careful because we might be sinning against God. Now, do we take unkindness this seriously? Do we take unkindness this seriously in our marriage, with our children, with our workmates, with our schoolmates? Do we take it this seriously? I don't think we do. And I think some of that's a cultural thing, is that because we talk about kindness and unkindness, and we mean little things. But to God, it's not a little thing. One of the blessings I had growing up, I only had one grandfather, but he's a great grandfather, and he had amazing stories. And when I say amazing stories, I don't mean, oh, you know, I caught a fish this big. Not those type of stories. He always told the truth. Always. He did not exaggerate. Uh, he was a Scotsman. And my grandfather had 
uh, came from quite a large family. But one of his older brothers, who was quite a bit older, was quite adventurous and went to Africa and traveled around Africa. And he went to many places in Africa where he was the first white person that many people had seen. And he did crazy things like he'd shoot crocodiles and stuff and all this sort of business. And uh, to give you a bit of a sense of this, he came back home and brought with him some bows and arrows that he had picked up from natives. I saw the bows. Um, we had them in our family for quite a while. So they went from Africa back to the UK and then all the way out to New Zealand, etc. And these were straight pieces of wood. They didn't really look like bows and arrows. They looked more like something you'd throw at someone that sounds like a spear. No, no, this was a, a bow. Um, but the arrows they came back with were poisonous. And the family held on to these for years, and then children started turning up, and someone had the bright idea, maybe we should get rid of the, the poisonous arrows at this stage. But this was the time they lived in. You could just bring this stuff back. And so so he had. Well, my granddad was telling me one of his stories, so one of his brother's stories about someone else. I don't know if this is true, but my granddad only told true stories was the thing. And he was telling me the story about another explorer who was traveling around, put his hand down somewhere, I don't know what he was doing, climbing over something, and a snake latched itself to one of his fingers. And he pulled his hand up, and the snake was still attached to his finger. And he knew the snake. It was a little snake, but he knew it was very, very venomous. And he knew if this venom got into his system, he's done. That was it. There was no anti-venom, no anything. And this is all going through his mind in about a second. And he put his hand down on a log, pulled out a pistol, put it to his finger and pulled the trigger, severing his finger and saving his life. He lived. And I tell this story because unkindness... I think it's a little snake. It's a little snake in our lives that doesn't seem that serious. And yet to God, it's really serious. It's really serious. When we see unkindness in our kids as parents, uh, we get on top of it pretty quick, don't we? We do. The amount of times I've told my son to be kind, I don't know. I've well and truly lost count. The amount of times my parents would have had to tell me to be kind. Probably many times over what I've told my son thus far. And God is calling us to be kind, kind like him, and to take unkindness in our lives seriously, to cut it off, to get rid of it, to not leave it attached to our lives. It does not belong in our lives And I firmly believe the Holy Spirit will not give us peace while it is there. The Holy Spirit is going to niggle you and not give you peace until you do something about it. Now the great news is you don't need to blow your finger off. But you likely need to do something about it. And I think you will know. I think you will know if that is you. It probably involves repentance, almost certainly does. But actually it might involve talking with someone and apologizing to them. 
And it might involve taking some steps to make sure that snake doesn't get back in your life. For some of us, it's going to be our words. You shoot off from your mouth far too quick. For some of us, yeah, it might be our actions that we are unkind with them. And I don't know if that's just when you drive or more. You do. But let us take it seriously, as seriously as God does. I am not begrudging, I'm not belittling the small acts of kindness. I'm not. That's where kindness starts. But it's not where it stops. We are called to a big kindness. We are called to the kindness of God. And I pray that we will be the people that we will put it on in our lives because it belongs there and we will show the kindness that we have experienced from God. We will show it to this world because this world needs some more kindness, doesn't it? It does. And we are meant to be the people who make it known. Uh, Frederick, if I can say his last name, um, Buchner, don't know if that's actually right, But he was a novelist as well as uh, actually a prison minister in the U.S. And he said, if you want to be holy, be kind. He wasn't talking about little kindness. He was talking about God's kindness. You show that to other people. I think he's right. Let us walk by the Spirit. Let us be holy as he is holy. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, we can think of those people who have been kind to us, whether in word or deed. How much we appreciated their kindness. How much we appreciated their warmth and love to us. That they did not turn away, they did not ignore us. But they spoke warmly to us. They acted warmly with us. We think of them and we are thankful for them. But we are also conscious of your kindness to us. Oh, how you have been immeasurably kind to us and you want to be kind to us. You want a right relationship with us and what a joy that is, Lord. That even though we were your enemies, you would come and seek us out. You would not leave us to our own devices. You would not leave us in our sin. Even though we could not save ourselves, you would do it. You would come and rescue us. Yes, Lord, you are kind, so kind to us. And we are so grateful. I pray over the coming days and weeks that you would help us to remember that. To be conscious of your kindness to us. That it's not a passing kindness, but a kindness that we live in day by day. And we know that even though we might question it at times, your spirit is at work in us and around us. And yes, Holy Spirit, where there is unkindness, where there is nastiness or cruelness or meanness 
or a thoughtlessness or a coldness within us that does not belong, put your finger on it. Point it out to us. Give us no rest until we deal with it. And I give thanks that we do not do this alone. You do not call us to do this just in our own strength. But you promise that you will do this with us and you will give us strength as well. And then may we go out to this world which needs so much kindness. And may we make your kindness known through what we say and what we do because we are your children, God. We are the children that you have claimed for yourself. Big as all of us. None of us have saved ourselves, but you have done it. May we make your amazing kindness and love known. We pray this in and through the name of your Son, our Saviour. Amen.